He won Journalist of the Year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You like me right now. You like me. He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now? Now that I'm on my She's a broadcast professional who's got pop culture by the throat, and she won't let go. Crank up the radio. Run for your lives, everyone. This is not a drill. She's broadcast pro Mickey White. How do you like me now? This is the Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by the Glengooley Distillery of Campbelltown, Scotland. You know, Christmas and New Year's is a special time to reflect on the past year with family and friends. Whether you're getting over a tough breakup with a cybernetic girlfriend or driving to Glasgow with a dead MI6 agent in the back seat, take the time to sip that special blended flavor that brings you back to the Scottish Highlands. (laughs) Glen For the best of times. Please enjoy responsibly. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and uh, Mm -hmm. welcome to our... Our uh, kind of really ex- extra special Christmas edition of the Jim and Mickey Show. Yes, um, and, you, and you're in a festive mood, aren't you, Mickey? I am in a festive mood this morning. You know, it, it's it's been great. You know, we're we're obviously uh, with the whole holiday spirit amongst us now, and 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 fortunately, um, last weekend I was invited to the Garrity family. A holiday gathering. I was invited last year, but wasn't able to te- to attend. So this was my first time. Um, it was very, very exciting, and um, you know, it's funny because there's a lot of pressure and stress. I think around the holidays, and there are even movies about the fact that people sometimes decide to skip them. But I think there are good traditions that you know kind of hold us together around this time of year. What do you think, Mister Garrity? Uh, is this in reflection of my freak out before the party or after the party? During the party, actually, I had a very good time, but uh, uh, I had you know the the usual like you know everything everything had been perfectly right. Mrs. Campaign Spot gets home, uh, has to do all of her cooking in the kitchen, and what you didn't see was about an hour before party arrival time. If you had just set off a bomb of flour in the kitchen, mm-hmm. I would have looked about the same. Uh, pots and pans everywhere, and so like, obviously, look, she she cooked up a storm. It all turned out fabulously. I was going to say, um, speaking for only Mr. Bias and I, it was fabulous. We had a great time. The food yeah. was great. The Excellent. the company was fantastic. Um, there was only one problem, listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, when speaking to Garrity here, I, uh, I you know I was like, you know, what what what's the dress code? Because this time of year, of course, you know, going from holiday party to holiday party, some of it's you know wear a crazy Christmas sweater. Some of it is you know it looks very formal. Some of it is, you know, casual, come as you are. Hell, I've been invited to pajama parties. Tell me you didn't wear your $2 million bra. I I did not (laughs) wear the $2 million bra because I haven't gotten it yet. Santa hasn't gotten here yet. Um, But no, so of course I asked my co-host and friend, um, you know, what is your lovely wife wearing and, and what is everyone else wearing and what should I wear and what is proper attire? And he said, and I'm quoting now, I don't think anyone's ever been thrown out for wearing jeans. And, uh, and so, no. you know, help narrow it down, right? No. And, and so you know, it, it paints a certain picture in one's mind. Okay, <laughs> if no one's ever been quote thrown out for wearing jeans, and that ties are occasionally spotted, I'm thinking, okay, for the women who are listening, cocktail attire. Okay, so you know, you don't want to be too too dressy, but you don't want to be like you know, obviously not wearing jeans because you don't want Jim Garrett at the fashion police kicking you out the front door. 
And so I, I and I struggle back and forth, and then I think I've got the perfect outfit, and then whammo, it is seventy degrees last Saturday. Yes, it was exceptionally warm last weekend, which is a curveball. It it was. A I told curve- people, wait, what did I say? Is that guys wear khaki, usually wear khakis and collared shirts? That and is I, what you said. Right, mm-hmm. and and I ended up wearing a khaki and a short sleeve collared shirt because it was I so darn like- warm. Okay, yes, that is true. And I and I had a fashion crisis because I did not know what to wear. Uh, Mr. Bass was having none of my fashion crisis. He was like, I'm wearing what I want. Um, I, of course, you know, wanting to make a great opinion on, you know, great impression rather on the family and friends of, of Garrity and whatnot and those that were going to be present. I, I gave it a lot of thought, obviously way too much thought because when I arrived – um, I walked in and there there was Jim Garrity, in fact, dressed in his khakis and short sleeve button up shirt. And I looked around the room and he was the only one wearing khakis other than, in fact, Mr. Bias, because everyone else had jeans on. Really? You know what I had on? You looked very, you looked very nice. But, but. Do- you were wearing a dress. I, I was wearing a black, yes, a black festive Christmas dress. And you were wearing and, high heels. And I was wearing high heels, yes. And um, and, and while, you know, I, I'm always down with being overdressed versus underdressed, I would just like to warn anyone who is listening to this podcast, never, ever, ever trust Jim Garrity. It is my fault, clearly, <laughs> for not like contacting one of the females that was involved with the party planning to find out the actual dress code and what was really going to be going on. We had a fantastic time. And thankfully, because his guests were so gracious, none of them mocked me. <laughs> um, they all felt that it was probably Jim's fault. Mickey, yeah, I'm hearing you. you know, I'm hearing right. you searching for a solution for, for what isn't a problem. You were essentially the hottest chick at the party. Jim, do you see anything wrong with that? No, and in fact, notice this segment began with Mickey warning me about stressing over the holidays. You know, yes. oh, a good time was had by all. Yes, um, it was. You know, uh, uh, one, you know, actually, someone, one of our friends, our mutual friends, came in jacket and tie, and I told him he was free to take it off, and he said no, he was going to another party afterwards. Uh-huh. Uh, well, you know, <clears throat> because we have kitties running around, I believe we had something in the neighborhood of like. 15, 16 grown-ups and maybe like 10 kids running around mm. um, the house. You know, fairly full house, uh, lots of you know, kids running around. I, I, you know, tell people, look, you know, wear what you want to wear. We are kind of the early party. There are some people who end up going to um, more grown-up later in the evening parties later, you know, that part of that evening, and that's fine. Everybody's welcome to do that. I'm happy to have any of my guests show up. Um, so, yeah, I don't think – I think if you look back – and I, we didn't take a lot of pictures, just pictures of you and me. If we had, you'd look back and you'd say, aha, she was not actually that overdressed at all. Okay. Ladies I don't believe, and I, I, Like, you tell yourself whatever you need to. Ah. Um, but I would just like to let you know that I no longer trust you on any wardrobe decisions. <laughs> not that I did really before. But, like, this was definitely, like, what I would call icing on said cake. Quick, Dave, what was the dress code for your last party? Um, what I got on now, cargo shorts, <laughs> cargo shorts, and, uh, and a wear T-shirt. Wear whatever you want to wear, right? I mean, most guys are not going to, you know, no, it's black tie. We'll turn you away at the door. It's, it's really <laughs> You said, and you actually said, like, oh, I don't think anyone's ever been kicked yeah, out for I, wearing jeans. And literally everyone else but so our mutual friends. It's not acceptable to wear jeans. Correct, yes. When I, my and, whole point and, and I'd put that out to the listeners to say jeans. that. I would put it out to the listeners that that's not something I, quote, took to mean. 
don't wear jeans. I think that's implied with that statement, Dave. No, no, I gotta, I gotta go with Jim on this one. Jeans, <laughs> oh, jeans were woo. within the parameters. Jeans were within the parameters. He went to special effort to place them within the parameters and lowest common denominator being what it is for men at least i'm not surprised everyone was in jeans yes except for me except for you i, I yeah i i was in a i was in a dress um I, I and i tried to keep a cocktail so short and yes i did have high heels on and you know my hair was down and you know again i'm trying to like blend this out me stressing the hell out all day long mm, again, Only it's out, terrible to be the hottest the chick at the party <laughs> a woman comes up at the party and says to me, God bless her, she's sweetest, can be a friend of Jim's, and says, I think you've done really well with your fashion crisis. <laughs> I follow you on Twitter, and I just want to let you know. And I was like, thank you. Thank you so much. See? So, keep in mind. Like I said, uh, everyone was great. I just wanted to punch Jim in the head. That's all. <laughs> okay. yeah. So listeners are free to conclude whether I gave wrong signals about the expected attire at the party or whether Mickey's totally overthinking this. <laughs> She's totally overthinking it. I know that the ladies will side with me on this. Okay. And I I've, think I've, that the boys might side with you guys. I'm not sure. In, in light of that, Mickey, as you're realizing this, we were thinking about, you know, past Christmas parties and celebrations and things like that. Have you ever ended up like being like, what is the worst overdressed or underdressed you've ever been? Other than this weekend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this okay. is the worst ever. You've never really been overdressed or underdressed. Uh, no, I mean, I, I've, I, I generally speaking find myself to be slightly overdressed mm. for most things. Um, I would suggest there was a party I went to a few years ago. It was um, for a friend of mine. And it was a birthday party held in a fairly, um, we'll call it swanky location. Um, kind of up and coming hipster style, whatever. Um, I was told to dress grown and sexy, which mm-hmm. is a term that some of our listeners will understand more than others. And so some friends of mine and I, like, dress grown and sexy. We got cocktail attire. Um, my guy friends were kind of in tuxes, but uh, not like the full tux, more like the suit style. And uh, so not necessarily, you know, wearing the whole thing up. So, again, more cocktail attire, et cetera. And we walk into this birthday party. We've been, you know, special invitations printed out, engraved, et cetera. We went to, had a couple drinks at another place. Walk into this party, walk upstairs, have the exclusive, you know, card to get in, walk upstairs. There's like maybe 25 people standing there. And not one of them is dressed even in what I would consider holiday attire. <laughs> So we immediately made up the lie that we were going somewhere else. There you go. <laughs> and just rolled with it. Roll with it. That's right. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the go-to thing because like either way you can go like, oh, I'm so sorry. We were just coming from like a kid's party. Mm, you're you underdressed. Yes. Yeah. And if you're overdressed, you're like, oh, we were going to a, you know, we're going to another party better than yours apparently <laughs> jim i think you were a, a little biased against mickey during the party because you offered to the guy in the coat and tie that he could take that off if he felt like it you didn't <laughs> offer mickey she could take off that dress uh-huh. you know just show off the two million dollar bra yeah. <laughs> right. um, yeah it's as you're telling that story mickey i'm thinking about you know we, we at some point we need to discuss the the office christmas party and how badly that can go awry 
Um, when I was a congressional quarterly in the na- late 90s, they had a poster, everyone please come to the office Christmas party. And they must have picked some sort of stock photo of a couple dancing in what must be like inaugural ball type attire, like black tie and, you know, a, a ball gown, something you would wear to a, a really fancy event. <clears throat> and I, you know, I remember like a great deal of scoffing about it besides the fact that anybody's going to wear a black tie to the company office Christmas party but that secondly at the time at that time congressional quarterly had this like really strict no fraternization policy you weren't allowed to date your coworkers, or if you did you weren't allowed to work in the same office they didn't want bosses and underlay you know, they, they were paranoid about sexual harassment lawsuits and they were dancing you know so the, in this picture they're dancing very intimately <laughs> and we're sitting there thinking like who's dancing intimately with their co-workers at this party um, and you know, it, you know they're all having things done, you know, inside conference rooms and fax go. machines. I mean, but again, the- your your Christmas parties were different than mine. We grew up in very different media <laughs> cultures. Well, I'm just going to say, look, when people think intimacy and and you know raw sexual charisma, people think Congressional Quarterly. So. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Coming up in the next segment, we are going to have a very special guest with us. Uh, someone who makes my days brighter and has certainly made my holiday brighter this year. Um, I'm going to keep it a secret. Stay with us, and we'll be right back on the other side. This is Mickey White here with Jim Garrity, and you're listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. <laughs> Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. Cut. What was the matter with that? The accent. Huh. Cut. Cut. Macy, micey, balsy, balsy. Uh, take 59. And action. Jack. Sometimes you eat more than you should. And Jack. when it's spicy besides, mama mia, do you need Alka-Seltzer. How to make horseradish sauce. Horseradish sauce. Horseradish sauce. Horseradish sauce. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey show. I am Mickey White along with my co-host, Jim Garrity. And we are being joined by a very special guest. Today, we are being joined by Jazz Shaw. And for those of you who do not know him, um, it's the most wonderful time of the year to be a Jazz Shaw friend because it's the time of year that he sends out in these beautiful little packages that he hand makes his very own horseradish. Welcome to the show, Jazz. I didn't know we were going to be using my name. Um, Okay. (laughs) Thank you. That was a, an attempt at a joke, but you know that was pretty well. That's about as well as it goes over in my comedy bit that I do at stand up. I was howling, but my microphone was off. Well, I, I, there I, you I, go. It was anonymous. I, I, you know, I was I like, wait, what? A horseradish blogger. Uh, yeah, the, the the mysterious horseradish blogger. By the way, it is it is in my contract when I do any appearances that uh, I, I do have to mention that I'm one of the editors at Hot Air. That's hotair.com. Otherwise, Jonathan will yell at me when he hears it. So having gotten that out of the way. That's usually where Jim steps in and tells where yes, people are was, actually I was from. I about to say uh, yes. that you know, there's a wonderful crew over at Hot Air. Ed Morrissey, uh, Ala Pundit, uh, Guy Benson, Mary Catherine Hamm, you know, periodically. But you want to talk about the voice that is perhaps the sharpest? The voice that is like me, a long-suffering Jets fan, <laughs> the most uh, uh, irascible and cranky in the face of inanity and and uh, ridiculousness and uh, the absurd 
You need that sharp voice of Jazz Shaw, in part because he's, he is sharp the way his horseradish is sharp, I understand. Um, Jazz, you're a man of agriculture. When, how did you get into this? What did you, maybe you decide to, uh, uh, to start making horseradish for, for friends and family? Well, I'm pushing 60 years old, and I ground my first horseradish when I was seven. Oh, my God. Uh, my, my grandfather raised it. Uh, and I worked on his farm as a child uh, all the way up through graduation from high school. I worked on his farm to make extra money, particularly in the summers. And he had a variety of crops. It was a truck farm. But uh, one of the things that the family thought I was very weird about was that even as a child, I really loved horseradish. My grandfather would grind it up, and you would just break out in tears when you're doing the grinding and all that. But I loved putting it on meat and, you know, just, I would put it on, I put it, I used to put it on scalp potatoes, which my mother uh, wanted to have me tested for at some point to see <laughs> if I was deranged. But I, I did it uh, for them and I got my own plants by the time I was in high school. And then I stopped when I was in the military uh, and moving around. But 25 years ago, uh, when we, when I got married and we moved and settled down, I had enough room at the property at the house that we bought to have a couple of horseradish patches. And I immediately uh, went and made a trip up home and the plants were still growing wild at my grandfather's place. And I got some cuttings and brought them down and I started a uh, bed down here. And then I got into an exchange situation with some other people because I live in a suburban bordering on rural area there's some other growers and uh we started doing some trading because if you uh bring new plants with cuttings into your horseradish bed uh after that year they cross pollinate and you can kind of notice the difference and i would sample other people's horseradish and be like oh eh, not so much or wow that's really good and get some and start introducing them into mine and i've come up with my own strain over the last couple decades and i really like it that's fantastic. I mean, honestly, it's impressive to me because it, if what I'm understanding is the horseradish that I now possess came from the same strand that your grandfather used to grow with? Yeah, and from his grandfather, that strain runs back to the 1800s. My grandfather was born in 1898, and uh, they were growing it on that land uh, since shortly after the Civil War. So quite a tradition in your family, and thank you for sharing it with us yeah. this year. Um, of course, Mickey, you know. You're smearing history on your sandwiches. <laughs> I know, and in my Bloody Marys, <laughs> which is really the most important part. <laughs> you're, you're drinking history. So. I, I will, there you go. I, I will be cheers to history. Jazz, have you ever thought about doing this as a business, or do you have enough going on that you're like, ah, you wouldn't have the time to, to do this? Or is it I that New York State is so anti-small business, it's not even worth trying? Well, the last part of what you said is absolutely true, trying to start a small business in New York uh, in this place run by Democrats for, well, going back to the Tammany Hall days is virtually impossible. But even if I did, we have discussed – my wife and I have discussed it maybe as a retirement project. I'm planning on retiring in uh, four or five years, and I I, I might consider it then, but – I, I honestly don't have the time, Jim. I mean, you know what your schedule is like, and I'm in the same business as you. I'm I'm up and writing at or researching at 6 o'clock in the morning, and a lot goes on at hot air, and we're on the road pretty often. I mean, it, the growing doesn't take so much time, but it sucks up a ton of my time to do the harvest every fall and then mm. to do the processing and the grinding and then doing the packaging and labeling and mailing. I mean, it, it – 
kills part of the month of November or December, depending when the first hard frost. It is also clearly a labor of love. Mm. Yeah, and I don't sell it. I just uh, I, I trade with other. Uh, people who do farming in this area who grow other things that I like, and they give me fresh corn and and tomatoes and things right out of their garden during the summer and the fall, and I, I give them horseradish, and then I have a list of mostly politically oriented friends that I send it to every year for Christmas. And and, and we are very, very grateful for that, um, as is Mr. Bias. I told you, he's kind of got a crush on you right now. Hey, and like I said, I, I don't normally swing that way, but I'm nothing if not open-minded. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, so we were actually just talking about um, – I, I was up in the um, Authenticity Woods area this weekend and D.C. Woods area this weekend with Mr. Garrity and his family at a holiday party. And uh, have you guys been doing the holiday party scene this year? I am such a recluse and basically semi-agoraphobic. I mean, I have to like drink my way through CPAC if there's large crowds. Uh, I do. We drank our way through right online. That was fantastic. There you go. And yes, we, oh, yes, we did. Little bits that I remember. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I do a little bit of you know stopping in, uh, you know, for some eggnog or whatever with my neighbors and the people I know here. People go to the shooting range with us, but uh, no, I don't. I don't get down to like our company party because my co- I'm I'm in New York and our company is located in Virginia and I I go to our office maybe twice a year, so I don't actually get to the office holiday party. So you I'm don't picturing get to- some story of like oh my god you had to see Alapundit this year you know yes exactly he got hammered you and, need you know- to go just to get the like gossip and stories yeah, yeah but I he also doesn't the go to the party. That- we we only see him at at the secret recluse meeting. So right. So do the secret recluses also have parties, or how does that work? Oh yeah, absolutely. But you just don't know about them, and I can't tell you where they are. Otherwise, I'd have to kill you. I understand. I'm picturing Alapundit actually being invisible. You know that. But in every picture, he's blurry. He's kind of like Bigfoot. There's a picture, an image of him walking through the woods. That's great. You don't quite see him. He's like in the, just in like the shadow of every picture. I like it. Do you feel this time of year, um, we all tend to get a little stressed out about what Christmas is supposed to be about between the parties and the things like that? Yeah, I used to. I I don't anymore personally. I certainly see it in the Was that something that came with age or wisdom or booze? Well, (laughs) booze, absolutely. Wisdom, pretty much non-existent. Age, I suppose. I'm just more mellow. I don't let it get to me. I did when I was younger. I'm aware that the it, it's actually not an urban legend. Uh, I've looked at the numbers. Uh, apparently, the suicide rate is almost the highest of the year around Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the only one that's worth worse is Valentine's Day. And uh, people do get stressed out. And I think um, you know, there's a lot of confrontation in big family meetings for example you know people that you don't see very often and might not get along with i think there's tremendous stress in gift buying did you get the right gift did did they spend more than you did things like that uh yeah there's a lot of stress involved and i've been able to dump most of those responsibilities off on my wife so i can blame her which is great oh that's fantastic yeah getting married is what you're suggesting is one way to eliminate if you're a guy if you're a guy a, go out and get uh, Jim's new book uh, and oh, get yourself you. married. 
and that will teach you how to be a good man and how to get married. What he doesn't mention is the book in the book is all the wonderful things that you can dump off on your poor beleaguered wife because well I'm a guy, I don't know how to do that. You know, and uh-huh. it works. So that would explain and it's really funny because it's something that I, I saw I think it was in the New York Post and they asked women and uh and if you don't mind sticking around, Jazz, we'd like to keep you for the next segment. But they asked women and I believe it was the New York Post, I think Jim's got it, um, what do you want for Christmas? And 95% of them said they just wanted to be stress-free. That was it. I I guess I could believe a lot of women would say that. We had a different conversation on Twitter recently where one of my younger friends fell for the line when he asked his fiance, what do you want for Christmas? She said, oh, I don't really need a gift. And he believed her. And a bunch of us jumped all over and was like, rookie mistake number one. Never believe that. Go get her a damn gift if you have to go rob a store tonight. Correct. That is correct. Yeah. (laughs) Because they all say it, but you don't mean it. No, no, no. We never mean that. We never, ever. like. And and again, that's very wise advice coming from Josh Shaw um, in that we do not ever mean it when we say, don't get us a gift. It's very similar to like, Fine, for instance. Oh, yeah. Fine doesn't mean fine. <laughs> and yeah. I, as a younger man, almost fell for the line when it was very obvious that I was going to be proposing and we, we knew we were going to get married. But when the time came, well, you shouldn't go waste a, money, a lot of money on a big ring. I don't need anything <laughs> like that. And I, I was sitting there thinking, score. Man, I was really stressed over this. Unfortunately, my brother was around, and he was like, you're an idiot. You need, to, you need to go into debt. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and that worked out okay. So sometimes you need somebody like an older brother or like Jim Garrity to tell you not to make these mistakes. <laughs> I'd steer, that, steer away from that one. Um, I should point out to all authors out there, if you think Jazz Shaw would like your book, make sure you send it because um, – he will write about it at length. He will assess it honestly and fairly, but also be very kind and generous in his words. And uh, the Amazon rankings skyrocket that day. <laughs> <laughs> I should be sending you some uh, some extra gar- uh, horseradish there, <laughs> Jazz. Actually, um, you, you you did generate some sales because uh, I, I ordered your book for my father-in-law. For, for excellent. There you go. Wonderful. Well, we will be back with more with Jazz Shaw right after this. From Paytel Records, 22 explosive hits, 22 original stars, gallery. Oh, it's so nice to be with you. The great Sammy Davis Jr. Ooh, the candy man can. Liver snaps traits are made with real liver, and dogs love them. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And our special guest this episode is Jazz Shaw of Hot Air. <clears throat> and something kind of fascinating. So you're describing your eff- your very successful efforts at uh, growing horseradish and uh, giving it to friends and family for the holidays. Horseradish sauce. Horseradish sauce. Horseradish sauce. Jazz, how hard is it to grow horseradish? Um, the answer is not at all. If you have any amount of dirt, <laughs> some spot, horseradish is the equivalent of getting kudzu. Or weeds. <laughs> the trick is containing it so it doesn't take over your property. I actually have mine in <laughs> beds that are surrounded by sidewalk stretches, uh, so it won't because it will travel underground. Once it grows once, 
you're growing horseradish for life unless there's a nuclear attack on your house. So that's that's not hard. It's it's the processing part that's hard. But I did want to mention if anybody is interested and they can contact me uh, at hot air jazz at hot air if you'd like to try this. If you get a cutting, if you live in an apartment or something, my neighbor grew horseradish for the first time this year after asking me for a cutting, mm-hmm. and he didn't plant it in his yard. He went and got this foot tall uh, pot that you just grow flowers or whatever in and stuck it in there, let it go all season until the frost hit, because I should tell people you don't harvest your horseradish until there's a killing frost and the leaves fall down. Otherwise, it's going to be too mild. And he grew this massive root. And we spend a lot of time every fall digging in the plots, in the garden, digging the stuff up. It's backbreaking work. It's really hard. He put it in this pot and just basically yanked it out, shook the dirt off, and had this massive, really nice horseradish root. I was like, you know, I may get rid of my beds and just get a bunch of pots because that was so much easier. So, yeah, if anybody out there, any of your listeners are interested in trying it, you don't need to own a house and have a bunch of land. That's you could, good to know. You could do it in four or five big pots and have enough for your entire family for the whole year. So as you're re- describing this, I'm suddenly realizing, Jazz, really in paper, I'm a really good kudzu farmer. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm really something that to work. do with kudzu. Let me know. Yeah, I was going to say that's the next uh, the next step to consider. But uh, you can make kudzu wreath. There you go. Work. Right. Just just make sure that it's gone. <laughs> it's, it doesn't like actually start growing on your. The what wreath. is the strangest thing you've heard of anyone putting your horseradish in, other than yourself? Because you've obviously put it in everything since you were a child. Um, I probably do this strangest stuff but i did have one person on the list and i won't name them since we don't have permission and i don't even like talking about the list because i have like a waiting list that goes on forever and you jumped to the head of it um yes i did that's about to say that puts horseradish horseradish. (laughs) you you never asked um get on the list gary put it on bacon lettuce and tomato and i was like I never even thought of trying that. Oh, good so to know. That, that, was, that was an interesting one. But uh, talk to uh, Vodka Pundit, Stephen Green. He probably has the most recipes that he uses. I, he gets like a triple-sized jar of horseradish every year, and we've done some experiments for him. And the, the big thing is, of course, to put it on steak or roast beef, anything like that. We, we take it and, and mix it up uh, with sour cream and a little bit of honey. And uh, make a a white sauce that you just whip in a food processor till it's really creamy, and you get that in restaurants too. But mine's a lot better because it's hotter, and uh, you just because well, you have to know how to make it hot. But we don't have enough time in the show for that. But it's really right. good with beef, anything with beef. And as as you mentioned offline, of course, you can make terrific Bloody Marys with it. Yes, that is true. Very, very true. And I've got two guys who I think have an appreciation for food on the line here now and, uh, and in studio, maybe three, Dave. Um, but when you go to these holiday parties, these gatherings, these family get togethers, what is like the one thing that you look forward to eating that's only available at Christmas? Depends where you go. I'm not Italian, but I grew up in an Italian neighborhood, and it turned out that I bought a house in an Italian na- an area in upstate New York that's in our county is actually called Little Italy. Uh, nice. There are there are literally Italian flags all summer long that hang from the light poles all the way up and down. And uh, what I really look forward to is the cookies. There are 
very traditional Italian cookies made with paper thin pastry in various forms. Uh, there's there's more of them than I could name here. But with my different- mom used to make them, and she'd fill them with like a cream cheese and a pineapple. There's well, I don't see much pineapple in the Italian. Well, stuff, it was my mom adding. There's the like pineapple, mince- but yes. There's mincemeat and pork ones that are meat based. Mm-hmm. There are cheese and cream cheese ones, and some with you know chocolate and things like that. But it's the the secret really is the people that know how to make cookie dough from scratch and oh, yeah. and just wind it out with a rolling pin so it's like rice paper. Now- and then it rolls up, you know. I, th- I think that's what I look forward to most is the cookies, which probably accounts a lot for my svelte GQ body. No, that's understandable, <laughs> but you're, you're also in an Italian neighborhood, you said. So have you ever been to their Feast of Seven Fishes? Of course. And I, is that not just like amazing? It, it is, but I'm, I'm just not a huge fish fan. But gotcha. I, I, I'll, I'll eat almost anything. But that's not one of the things I look forward to. It's mostly the desserts, and it's it's the company. It's the chance to sit down and, at least with people who don't want to start fights about things, you know, I, I think people are just more generous at this time of year. They're and not just generous with their money uh, or their time, but they're more generous in spirit. At least where I live and in my family, and people are willing to sit down and look past whatever. Uh, things they might disagree with you about and be a bit more thankful. I, I find Christmas to be more thankful than Thanksgiving, really, because it, it's a time for family. And I know that I, I I was at a horrible time in my life when I married my wife and when I met her. And if I had not, I probably would have been dead 15 years ago. And she she well, saved. Thank you, for Georgie. Saved. You know, and I'm I'm thankful for that. And I think a lot of people are thankful for their families because that's that's what holds us together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Garrity? I was going to say, as you're describing that, the two things that are jumping to mind. First, uh, very much like the cookies, <clears throat> not quite of the Italian variety, but uh, around this time of year, you tend to see Pfeffernus. Uh, what is that? Sound, it sounds like a German military maneuver from World War II, but it actually translates to, you'll like this, Mickey, pepper nuts. Um, <laughs> nice. So, like, so they have you know, like cinnamon, cloves, allspice, and nutmeg on the inside, and they're all covered in powdered sugar. Um, so they're kind of like uh, uh, kind of like a soft biscotti type, um, but they're you know covered in sugar and fantastic. You dip them into now hot cocoa, my language, cider stuff like that. It's terrific. As, as I, have, I have to check into that. By the way, that sounds fantastic. Although yeah. I did have pepper nuts, uh, they have a cream for that now, so you know. Ah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this is why we're friends. <laughs> As we're describing this uh, this phenomenon, I'm realizing, you know what I really enjoy around this time of year is, you know, you get together with family and friends. Maybe they're still in the state of preparing the dinner. You head down to the den and you turn on, like there, there's, you know, it, it, regular TV programming is stopped. And the only thing that's on is like on ESPN, the Tidy Bowl, uh, you know, the 32nd best college football team against the 31st. And it's East Iowa, nowhere state. And you can just watch it and enjoy it and not care. <laughs> you know? Yes. It's just kind of like, like – Much like watching a Jets game at the end of most seasons. You can yes, watch it and oh. enjoy it and not care because they're not going to win. You know, Because no, I get stressed thinking <laughs> to win and ruin our, ruin our draft spot. So I, I get uh, – I am not going to make any comment as you a Steelers fan at all at this point. I'm just going to sit here quietly and let you two steal your own fate. <laughs> Particularly since the Steelers are – banging up against the Jets for one of the two wildcard slots, and I need the Steelers to lose. So, sorry, Mickey. 
Yes, you sound very similar to my co-host who sends me those messages on the regular. I was about to say, like, I glow. I, like, I get texts, I get things through Twitter, et cetera. Like, hey, remember, we don't really care if your Steelers win or not. The hard yeah. lesson of being a Jets fan is that, you know, if you don't gloat when you can, that opportunity may not come around for until many years later. So. Yeah, you, you may, you you may not be gloating for a decade. You know? Yeah, so you grab that. You grab it and you enjoy it and you suck the marrow out of that Clearly glow. he is enjoying it a bit too much, but I, I, I can take it because, you know, I am a Steelers fan, meaning that, one, I am weather-worn and that I'll probably die way earlier than other people from both the stress and the drinking. <laughs> well, that's just Pittsburgh in general, really. But it's, a God, <laughs> I, it's a shorter, happier, more intense up and down life than a uh, than the long dread. You know, I think remember one time, Jazz, this, you'll probably appreciate this. Someone once described Jets fans as being like um, Talmudic scholars of defeat. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> driven to have like a Russian fatalism to our worldview of life. And it just see, you know. It just seemed, I was like, hmm, okay, that hit me right there. That really just seemed to fit, you know, our entire worldview. So, if any of you took philosophy in college, I mean, nihilism and uh, <laughs> neo nihilism and being a Jets fan, it's very similar. So there's a <laughs> lot of tantric sort of, you know, I can be a nihilist, I can be a Jets fan. The world <laughs> will go on. <laughs> That is fantastic. And Jazz, I want to thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, tell everyone where they can find you and uh, the best way to reach you. Uh, you can find me every day, six, seven times a day, Saturday through Wednesdays at hotair.com, uh, where I write with Al Pundit and Ed Morrissey. And well, you already listed the rest of the cast. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on Twitter at Jay Shaw. Amazingly, that was not taken when I signed up for Twitter in 2010. <laughs> and uh, you can also email uh, jazz at hot air. And if you have any questions about horseradish particularly, I will be happy to help people out if they want to get started growing. I have one question about horseradish. Fire away, Dave. Who was it 5,000 years ago who came up with the idea of eating that horrible stuff? <laughs> horseradish, horseradish sauce. Wow. You know, <laughs> I know a lot of horseradish history, but I don't know that. <laughs> it seems was... like that ought to have been a, a watershed moment in the, like the beginning of the decline of the human race or something. No, it's like I'm, the same person who ate like an oyster for the first time. Exactly. Well, there's, exactly. A, there's a species under a different name that grows in China, and they were growing it, uh, China and what's now considered Mongolia, uh, going back as long as the Chinese have written records. It's it's everywhere, and that's because, as Jim and I were discussing, it's like it, it, if you have dirt, it'll grow, and it's gone <laughs> around the it's gone around the planet with people, and it's everywhere. Excellent. Well, thank you again for coming on with us. I know um, I'm looking forward to enjoying what's left of my horseradish this year and happy to be on the list. And uh, again, you can find Jazz Shaw at Hot Air. And uh, please do have a very Merry Christmas to you and yours. Thanks again, Jazz, for being with us. And uh, I'm Mickey White along with Jim Garrity. And we will be right back. You'll be amazed at who you'll find on Living in the 90s. Living in the 90s. Two and a half hours of the coolest songs on two CDs and two cassettes. Check it out.
It's the most wonderful time of the year. Again, the most wonderful time of the year is upon us. The time where you can snuggle up by the fireplace, have a warm cup of cocoa, and watch a Hallmark movie channel Christmas film. And... (laughs) you, You scoff, Mickey, but I actually find myself at this time of year... Like clicking through the channels, nothing else is on. I do it too. You just kind of get sucked into them. Yes, you do. Ed Asner's Santa Claus this year. I thought I was bad, but uh, my my wife told me one of her coworkers' husband actually videotapes these things so he can watch them later. Oh, that's bad. (laughs) See, now that's bad. Like, if I come across them, I'm okay with it because, of course, you know, for listeners, I, I can't imagine, unless you've been living under a rock, you have not flipped past either a Hallmark movie channel or a Lifetime movie channel Christmas film as they have been running 24-7. And, um, and, and you know, I don't know if you guys seem to catch it or not, but there appears to be a kind of pattern, we'll call it, <laughs> if you will. Um, you know, a, a fancy word might be a trope, but let's say there's a pattern. <laughs> to these films. What yeah. a sourpuss. <laughs> you know, like every single one of them, there's like, okay, there's this hot chick who moves back to town where she runs into this guy from high school. Mm-hmm. And the old then, flame. yeah, the, the, old the old flame or the guy she blew off because he wasn't. You know, cool. he wasn't cool enough, right? And then, like, something happens, and one of them has a kid at this point. Um, and then something happens, and they get brought together. And then, of course, they're torn apart by some misunderstanding. But by Christmas morning, it's a miracle, and they're all back together again. Oh, don't yeah. forget the secret princess. Who in the right. last the last movie right. I There's- saw with the secret princess, she had an American accent. It's like, come on, make an effort. <laughs> make an effort, just like a little teeny bit. Yes, uh, there's a lot of secret helpers um, that kind of pop up out of nowhere. Mostly uh, older ladies who used to be beautiful young ingenues 30 years ago. Yes, that is true. Those and a couple ingenues now. on the rise. That's like you true. You can pretty much do all of your casting with about six actresses. It's three now. The My, all, my three lifetime yeah. Christmas movie all-stars are Lacey Chabert, Hilary yeah, Duff's sister, Haley Duff, and Ariel Kebble. I think we should have a movie with all three of them that ends in a six-person wedding. I would like to see, um, added to that list, Kelly Martin. Okay. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Um, I think she's in all of them that I have seen. <laughs> um, and Lori Loughlin. Mm, Don't yes, know her, she but... She a lot of those. May I throw out Candace Cameron? Oh, yeah. Oh, good one. She's in two or three that are still in the rotation. I haven't seen her in a new one, but 2014, I think, was her last lifetime. <laughs> it's sort of like the witness protection program for actors. <laughs> where you go off to Christmas movies. They, they send you off to Christmas Town, where you just go through this cycle. It's probably a little bit like um, Groundhog Day or something. You wake <laughs> up every day, and it's the beginning of December. There's potato flakes, snowflakes coming down from the sky. The town is picturesque. And you're always running into the old flame or, you know, or like you're too stressed and wrapped up in your career. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, that's the other one. Yeah. Christmas. So that's why, you know, um, there so actually is it. one with a plot of Groundhog Day, by the way, where she relives the same of day before Christmas over and over again until she finally gets the kick in the head and falls in love with the boy. Of course, because one, it's always about falling in love. That's the most important part. That's yeah. that's whatever, whatever, you know, dramatic narrative. 
uh, drama they have. You know that that's you know the what you because know, you have to have you couldn't just be everyone has a happy Christmas. There's always got to be this chance it's going to be ruined. Yes, uh, Christmas is always on the brink the- of destruction. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And and then it's the you know the the person who really is one of Santa's helpers, right? There's always that twinkle, wink an eye, you know. Oh, oh, they're not just a department store Santa. It's the real Santa. You know, that, that kind of, we well, in the audience know what's for really going on. A minute, there. but what I tend to see them now as specifically, like I said, this, the, the Hallmark movies and the Lifetime movies specifically are basically Sweet Home Alabama. Set to Christmas music. <laughs> like, you know, Mickey, you may have identified like the Rosetta Stone of all of these stories. <laughs> they all kind of trace <laughs> back to this. Um, and I guess maybe it is like a lot of people for the, the Christmas holidays, you end up going back to your hometown, right? Or you're visiting your family, you're visiting, you know, and you can't have one in which, you know, the big city is the good, <laughs> is the good guy, right? It's <laughs> right. always got to be the small town, the country. Um, it's always snowing, right? It's always got to be a white Christmas. There's like a mayor and one city councilman and three merchants, and that's the whole downtown, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I come from a very, very small town. You guys have heard my small town stories. Oh, I, I have an update on the Fisher Cap, by the way. Um, and and the thing is, like, I grew up in a small town that people would consider, quote, picturesque. All of this is bullshit. <laughs> like I have never in my life like that I, I don't know where they've created in their head that this is what like all small town life is like but uh no. Well no it's it, it, it's of like, course we have it's Walmart not realistic. Now. We have it's Walmart fantasy. now. <laughs> no, they're never going to Walmart. They're always going to like Chuck and Joe's little corner store and you know And the old high school flame is now running the hardware That's store. Right. It took over from old man Jenkins. That's yeah. right. And don't forget the three merchants, the one city councilman and the mayor, their greatest combined interest in life is to make sure the girl falls in love with the right guy. Now, and that the Christmas notice- lights are up correct for the town. <laughs> yes. Now, occasionally there'll be a villainous, right? It, it, you know, occasionally there'll be the big company CEO who wants to commercialize Christmas. Ex-girlfriend. Um, yeah, the ex-girlfriend is bad. I watched one the other night in which the, um, there was somebody who applied for a job, got turned down for it, but through a series of amazing coincidences and mix-ups, ends up become, the woman becomes the department store Santa. <laughs> and you know, she, right? You know, okay. Awful, right? You know, and the woman who runs there's one, you know, a good employee Worst department one. store. From the North Office, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> nice. Uh, played by Wallace Shawn, who people would recognize from um, The Princess Bride. Inconceivable. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, he's playing, you know, like, we know the audience know he's really one of Santa's elves, you know. Uh, but there was a bad store, you know, department head who was like, you know, uh, the 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 femme fatale of the Christmas story, who you know <laughs> actually wanted the department store to sell stuff, and was mm-hmm. very you know didn't understand. No, Santa's not about department store. Santas aren't about selling stuff. They're about the spirit of the season, which is just so like syrup was coming off the screen. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, and it it's one so of those times, but it's one of those times of year where people are willing to accept the syrup. Because they, they, I think as Jazz was saying, you know, people's hearts are open. They are more apt to, we are going home, you know, to see family. Uh, and, and it's a time of year where you want 
things to be good. But there's a certain nostalgia associated with Christmas that's probably unrealistic, which is probably why people get stressed out, which is probably why it never lives up to expectations. But at the same time, when we're on this movie trick and I think of all those bad things I just said, there is one movie that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And you guys know I'm a huge fan of Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. But he did a movie a few years ago, Ghosts of Christmas or Girlfriend's Pass or something, and it was based on the whole Scrooge concept. Yes, yes. It was god awful. <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm still watching this awful. <laughs> and, you know, and it's funny because now I see it start to pop up on cable, and I just want to give people warning like, do not watch this movie. Like, I love my. I love Matthew McConaughey. So you're saying it could suck enough to eventually wind up on Hallmark? Yeah. I'm saying this movie is so bad. And again, it was one of those things that made you like turn on Christmas movies forever. You know, and, and maybe all movies. <laughs> like It had that kind of an effect. Last week's episode, we talked a little bit about It's a Wonderful Life and how you know everyone watches that. And they like, maybe it's that feeling of, oh, as bad as my life seems, if I hadn't been born, or if I made different choices, the whole world would have gone to hell, right? Well, and right. So, we discussed that, so but we also Scrooge, got scolded. Like, you know, I was going to say we got scolded for not mentioning Scrooge. Okay. So here's Scrooge, and this, the lesson of that one is you can be a complete and total bastard your entire life. You can be you know, horrible and, and awful and cruel and mean and, and make everybody's life miserable. But if you get visited by three goats the next morning, goats you or buy goats. a turkey, <laughs> you go to your abused you know, employee's home. He will warmly welcome you, and everybody will love you forever, <laughs> right? All right. And so then what is the, what is the um, miracle on 34th Street? What is the lesson to be learned there? Um, isn't that another one where, like, you know, the person who claims to be Santa Claus and everybody thinks is crazy really is Santa Claus? Yeah, it's yes, like Harvey, exactly. the, the yes. mysterious white rabbit, the Jimmy Stewart movie. That what, Does he actually exist? Is he Harvey, actually yes. real? Uh, ma- yeah. Like, the, the theme of a lot of these movies is magic is totally real. Yes. And that really, if you happen to have a skeptical viewpoint of, well, actually, no, there's, there, there really is not much scientific evidence to suggest that the guy working at the department store is the actual Santa. Um, but in the movies, he always is the actual Santa. Mm-hmm. Well, he always is the actual Santa. Because <laughs> You're the of- naive one for not believing, you know. But my favorite two films are It's a Wonderful Life and Elf, both involving a significant amount of magic. And not favorite films overall, by the way, just Christmas films. Um, but great deal of magic involved. But I think that's part of it is that it taps into that, you know, childlike wonder that so much of our life is no longer a part of. Now we you can know, get uh, the Christmas movie onto Animal Planet finally be visited by the the goat of Christmas past. Uh, <laughs> I love it. The goat I of Christmas it. present. You know, I was Man. just having this conversation to the, the meaning of the real. Uh, what was the true meaning or symbolism of the greatest Christmas movie of all time? Die Hard. Uh-huh. Um, but actually, we're coming up on the end of this segment. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> any place, any time, is a good time for Coke. Only Coca-Cola gives you that refreshing new feeling. Refreshing new feeling. Refreshing new feeling. Coca-Cola's bright and lively. Coca-Cola has more zest. Coca-Cola's a lot more zing living. Refreshing Refreshing new feeling. Coca-Cola gives you that refreshing new feeling. Coca-Cola. Refreshes this. 
Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And as we uh, come towards the end of the week, the, the middle to late December, Mickey, I just I don't know what I want to do this weekend. <laughs> well, Maybe you know, Jim. Is there anything playing? Any, any good movies coming out? <laughs> well, I was just going to say, you know, um, there are, you know, a lot of different things you could be out doing this weekend. You could be doing some Christmas shopping. Did you it. could, um, you know, spend some time with your kids. Did it. Did that already. Um, you could, you know, maybe go to some Christmas parties. Did it. Did that already. <laughs> um, there is this movie coming out. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I've been hearing a little bit about it, just a tiny bit of buzz, really kind of under the radar. Is it a small and art house film? Something, something like that, yeah. You probably haven't heard of it. It's called Star, For- Star Wars <laughs> The Force Awakens. Oh, they're making another Star Wars? I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. If only they advertised it somewhere. If only they'd done some sort of tie-in merchandising. You might as well have never heard of it, as good as your chances of getting in to see it before January are. Oh, you're absolutely right, Dave. Except I got my tickets months ago. Who are you kidding? Yeah. Uh, except, yes, of course. I was going to say, except if you are Jim Garrity, who has not one set of tickets, listeners, but two. And do you want to tell the listeners the lie? That you have created in order to get to see it first? No, no. It's probably just better to picture people picture some sort of elaborate Mission Impossible type scheme to sneak into one of the advanced screenings. <laughs> but, uh, I'm not saying I'd kill a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Mame, maybe. But uh, no, an opportunity came for me to see it very early. And uh, look, hey, look, I'm... You know, I, I, so okay, one of our this is a good like r- ridiculous pop culture reference. Mm-hmm. Tom Engelberger is a guy who writes kids books, and he has this entire series called the Origami Yoda series. Uh, he was at the National Book Festival. He's talking to a friend of mine, and he says, "You know, this is when we can actually like, really enjoy it because we don't know if it's going to be good or not. The trailers look good, the advertisement <laughs> looks good. It's you know, we, we don't know, and it might be another fan of Menace, and it might be terrible, and it might all be very disappointing. So it's like preseason for normal people." Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like ooh, you know, high expectations um, and you can enjoy the excitement and then afterwards say, oh, I like that part. Didn't like There's that. a lot of people going under the dark side of the force, though. I see death threats on Facebook and Twitter warning people who see the movie and offer spoilers online. Oh, dude, <laughs> they, they have actually a Chrome extension that you can put up and upload to avoid all Star Wars spoilers. God, hang on. <laughs> Down, let me download it right now. Um, yes. Yeah, like. Look, you know, like this is pro- proof you don't read my tweets. Continue. Well, I mean, you know, and remember we said we weren't going to talk about this, this episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like we all know they're that, not. Uh, uh, we all know they're not going to tell us what happens with Luke Skywalker. Everybody knows he's in the movie, but you don't see him in the trailer, so he must be the bad guy. <laughs> Sorry. Well, and th- no, and that's the thing is, like, Dave. I if said, you're right, people are going to totally hate you. That's like, true. I know, but the thing yeah. about it is, I've been saying that to Garrity for months, and I don't have anything <laughs> invested. It just makes sense. But who do I? What do I know? Do you know? What um, this is I think the big twist is going to be that if he's not the bad guy, 
uh, <laughs> at this point. It's a double reverse. Yeah, it's like a double reverse. Masterful exactly. PR oh my campaign. God, you have been watching the Jets too much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, no, I, I you know I, I'm excited for everyone who is excited. I cannot wait to hear both your take on it as well as our fans' take on it and our listeners and. Uh, and and please, I, I I am thrilled to think about the things that we are going to see over the next several days. I do think it's interesting they put the like limits on the costumes though. Yeah, I, I for starters, like I don't think you like, if you've been waiting. What makes this such a big movie is that you know if you're around my age, 1983 was the last time you saw a really good Star Wars movie. Maybe at some point you made your peace with the prequels. We can talk about that at, at another time at great length. But you know. For a lot of folks, the three prequels were a big disappointment. And so this is your hope. People have been waiting, you know, 30-some years for a good Star Wars movie. As a result of that, you don't want the spoilers. You don't want anything, you know, uh, ruining anything like that. And also, you don't want to watch it through a mask's eye slit. <laughs> you, know, like, you, you want to see it, right? You know, you're trying yes. to put the 3D glasses over your Wookiee mask. It's going to be, you know. But, uh-huh. I, I'm not one to dress up for movies, whether it be Star Wars or um, Star Trek or, I don't know, any of the other ones that people decide they need to get dressed up for. I do not understand that concept. But I wish anyone who wishes to do that the best of luck in getting into the theaters because they have smackdown on a lot of that. It's right such now. insane behavior, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah like they, they put a big smackdown <laughs> on it. And um, but I want to wish everyone and and thank everyone for giving us yet another fantastic year. We're going to be back with a wrap up next week, but we want to wish you all a very merry Christmas, and uh, and thank you for being here for us for listening to us for sharing us with your friends and family um and certainly please do so over the uh holiday and uh i'm your host mickey white along with jim garrity and our producer big dave p big dave perkins and you've been listening to the jim and mickey show merry christmas we'll talk to you next week you killed him well duh what part of sudden death didn't you understand
to number one Suddenly everyone loves to hear him sing a song Watching the world go by, surprisingly go so fast Johnny looked around him and said, well, I made the big time at last <laughs> 